0: Hello and welcome to Really Well Women with me, clinical somatic educator Heidi Hadley and naturopathic doctor Sarah Wilson. Really Well Women is here to educate, empower and enhance the health and well-being of women who have many demands and yet they want to take care of themselves from the inside out. Enjoy our podcast as we delve into all areas of health and well-being. So are you ready to find out more? Let's get started.
1: Welcome back. In today's episode, we are going to talk about recovering from health events. And the reason why this is such an important area to talk about when we're talking about navigating life's transitions is because this is going to show up at so many places in your life. This can be recovering from an illness. So for example, I talked about my mono, right? It can be, how do you recover from that? How do you change your identity? That can be a diagnosis such as cancer. It can be a miscarriage. It can be an autoimmune disease diagnosis. There's so many things that can happen that can change your perception of the world, that can change your perception of health, but that can also change your identity and how you feel. And in my office, I hear all the time people in the recovery recovery process really, really struggling and not knowing why they don't feel great from A lot of perspectives, a mental health perspective, from an immune perspective, even if it's not an autoimmune disease, and they're struggling to put the pieces together. So Heidi and I really wanted to cover this in a lot of detail. So there's a lot that's going to be in this one, because we want to help you to understand not only what's happening and why it can happen, but what you can start to do to make big changes. And this is across the board, no matter what it's been, there's things that are going to come into play. So let's just get started and and dive right in.
0: Okay, brilliant. So remember last
1: time um, I talked about
0: uh, coping mechanisms and I had to identify my coping mechanisms and could see where the triggers were. Well, I kind of just wanted to flow on with that and then see how we can develop that further with what we were talking about today. So um, what we're looking at really is What you know when we develop these coping mechanisms, they don't just happen overnight. They've often happened over years, haven't they? It's a learned behaviour, and it could be our own learned behaviour, or sometimes. And do you remember in the season when we talked about mirror neurons? Mm -hmm. So if you're with someone, an influential person, it's usually a parent or you know a guardian, somebody long enough during your childhood, you sometimes pick up their coping mechanisms, and it's just it's just that whole nature nurture thing. That's that's just life, really. So what we can do is start to take those coping mechanisms into adult life. And so what happens is, is that some people think that they're really, they are in control of their life and their coping mechanism, as we mentioned before, could be to stay busy, push their emotions down, work through the stress. I haven't got time to be sick. You know, all those sorts of expressions that we can have. Um, And so what this actually does is it gives us this illusion that we are in control until we get a chronic disease. And that really does shatter that illusion, doesn't it? Because at that point, that's where we realize that we aren't in control, but it's our subconscious stress responses, those mechanisms that actually behind the scenes, they've been controlling us. Um, and as a result of that, what's happened is, is gradually over time, we've just dialed up that pressure on our body. And it's then resulted in us no, be, almost becoming unaware of the symptoms, because if we're pushing things down, we're not becoming somatically aware and listening and noticing the feedback from our body, any inflammation that's building, any pain. If we start to push that down, we start to numb those sensations and that awareness. And basically we're going back into a survival mode. Remember when we talked about the saber tooth tiger, the caveman, in that situation, you're not gonna sit there and have that self reflection and go, how am I feeling at this moment? It really is survival, isn't it? It's like, go, 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 go. And that might look to the outside as if, wow, they've really got their life in order. They're really, I wish I could look like that. And we don't really know what that trigger is underneath. If there's a fear, if they're feeling they've got to um, please somebody all the time. But then there's other ways that this stress and this coping mechanism can turn up. So we've got that people can want to stay incredibly busy, you know, in order to push things down. But then we've got others that may compulsively go to the gym and they, you know, they call the expression pumping iron. And this is the mindset that they actually think that they're never strong enough.
1: And even the idea of like outside of the gym, but we'll see people, or I will at least see people becoming obsessive about their nutrition routines Mm -hmm. and their supplement routines. And they just absolutely beat themselves up if they eat a food that's not on the list of ideal things. Even though I tell people there's a life and lifestyle for a reason, you're not going to eat perfectly all the time, but they grasp for control of their condition by controlling their environment. And so they'll Only eat these foods and that's all that happens so that can show up as well that's that health
0: anxiety isn't it absolutely it is again they think they're in control but it is all an illusion and it's again um, that that fear response showing up so yeah we've got that um as you mentioned that control we've got the pumping iron where people never feel that they're strong enough they've got to achieve more each time it could be other ways. And we talked last time about numbing ourselves. So could it be with alcohol? Could it be with drugs? Are we known as the party animal? You know, whereas in actual fact, it's all a facade. We're this party animal, but deep down, we've got a lot of things that we're, we've kind of hiding really, or we're trying to um, put another persona out there. Um, and then it could be that we like the adrenaline side of things like in high speed motorbike racing, bungee jumping, um, you know all those sorts of things where we just love to thrive on feeling that adrenaline surging through our veins, and yet we know that if we if we've got that cortisol that's constantly in our system, it's going to create high levels of inflammation. So long term, it's not actually ideal. Um, but again, it's just another way that we cope, um, and that's where it just makes me think, Sarah, about how. Stress, long-term, it will start to leave like an imprint in a person's subconscious. And if they have had a stressful response, which we're, we're going to really delve into now, um, that event can then start to be broken up, can't it? And it, different parts can be extracted. So from that stressful event, it could be an emotion. It could be the sounds of something. It could be the aromas, images, thoughts, the physical sensations. And what happens is each part of that stressful event from the past will start to actually be dissected. It breaks down and each part, like aromas, for instance, they all start to breed a story and a life of their own. And as a result, that stressed person or that person that they don't realize they're stressed because it could be an internalized stress response they're not aware of at this point, they start to relive it in different ways. A classic example could be that if they have spent time in the hospital system, that the smell of the hospital just triggers them, takes them back to something from long ago. And so every time they smell that, and it could be like a disinfectant, for instance, in another situation, they're just reliving that stress response again.
1: And that's something that... I see all the time in my practice when people are recovering or think they've recovered, right, and then, for example, the smell of the hospital. you can be going to the hospital for a happy reason, so I had a mother yeah. going there to see her grand first grandbaby, and she was so excited, and she walked in the door and had a panic attack and so when we when we kind of held that out for her, it was about not just. Like she didn't, she was given a diagnosis in a hospital. Wasn't she, didn't even stay there? But it was about feeling so disempowered and it was about. Feeling that that feeling brought back a feeling that she couldn't get well because when she had that experience, she was essentially handed a diagnosis and was told, Okay, this is it, take this medication, this is what you do. There was no education around what was happening, there was no education around what caused it, there was no connection to her body, it wasn't put in the context of how she was feeling. Um, It was just like, This is what you do, this is what you have to do. And any questions that she asked about, Okay well, is there other medications? What are the side effects? It was like you just have to deal with it and this was this was an autoimmune condition in this situation, um, and so it 's like you just have to deal with it. take this medication, move forward, and you 're done um, and that 's just so disempowering and so That's something else that I think we do really well helping patients recover from those health events and change their mindset around it is empowering them, giving them education like we're doing here around, okay, what could have caused this? What could have led up to it? What are our alternatives? What does the healing path look like? And teach people how they don't have to dissociate with their bodies, um, they can really work together. And I see this in all kinds of conditions, uh, that, especially that dissociation and that pulling away because of the disempowerment they've experienced with miscarriage, with pregnancy issues, um, even with hormonal issues, PMDD is another big one.
0: Yeah. And that's the
1: thing is that,
0: um, when you you're going through a health situation, you know, you mentioned about that disempowering, um, Aspect that can happen, and that's where we get caught up in what is called the authoritarian mindset. And that's where you know, sometimes the expression when someone's caught in the system, they've basically been taken from one health professional to another to another. And these health professionals are all well and good, it's all well intentioned and things. But what can happen is, is, as you say, that person loses their identity mm-hmm. because what they're told by one person is conflicting with another person, mm-hmm. and then they're told what to do, they're told what to give up, they're told what to think, how to act. And then in the end, they actually don't feel like they're their authentic or real self because they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? You're telling me that and somebody else has just told me that. Mm-hmm. And I see that all the time. I see it all the time. And when you, when you start to actually get people uh, and educate them, you can see the penny drop and they're like, ah. And, and then you think, ha, this is where we're getting you to start taking control back of your life. Because this is the thing is that sometimes when you're caught in this system, and you've been conditioned into this authoritarian mindset. One thing that you actually find is that you stop having that alone time, that self-reflection. Remember, we talked, if you're in a fear response, that's not what you're going to do. And so in a fear stress response, you are just going to go, all right, I'll do this, I'll do this. And you, it's the actions are very impulsive and reactive. Whereas if we do have that alone time, we give time to sense and feel what it's like to actually feel relaxed, recharged and recalibrated. Because I'm not sure if this has been the case with you, Sarah, but I know in my clinical practice, when I get people in for the first time and they'll go, oh, well, in one week, they're seeing three or four different health practitioners and they're Mm. going, I'm not sure what's working. And I go, well, you're not really allowing your body to heal. You're not noticing what's working for you at this i don't say it to them but at this point you can see that they're really drawing into that authoritarian mindset they've they've lost their identity they've lost control they're letting other people tell them what to do and there are times when we need that that medical assistance and help don't get me wrong but there are times that we could actually take more control
1: and i think the fundamental issue with this is that we don't have a healthcare model we have a disease based mm-hmm. model right? Mm-hmm. right and so we if we had it from my opinion If we had a healthcare model, we would have all those people in one place. We would have them talking together, which is why you and I have centers, right? We have health centers where we can bring people together and understand the intricacies of treatment plans and understand how to support each other and understand where naturopathic medicine stops and where somatic starts or massage therapy starts, right? And say, okay, this is what I've done. This is how far we've gotten because your body is one thing. Let's try. Who knew you are one body? <laughs> your gut affects your joints if you have rheumatoid arthritis. Heck, mm-hmm. Your gut can and inflammation can affect issues with miscarriage, right? We're one body. So if you're sent yeah. to a gastro and you're then sent to an ear, nose and throat doctor, and then you're sent to a rheumatologist who sends you to a physiotherapist who's not talking to me, you can also feel incredibly overwhelmed exactly by the conflicting information. Um, and then it really just leads to this disconnect, which is why a lot of the research is being done now on integrating models. That's why functional medicine is so popular. I always say naturopathic doctors were the original func- functional medicine, medicine doctors. Um, <laughs> but also, that's why now we're doing not just psychology research, but psychoneuroimmunology research, mm-hmm. because all yeah. the three things connect
0: that's right and can i just mention a bit about the psychoneuroimmunology because it's really good and i knew in this season we'd be talking a lot about it um but just briefly that the biggest stressor or trigger in humans is the emotional factor which is what we've just mentioned how you feel like you're being knocked from pillar to post really not sure what we're supposed to be doing and so this is a whole new area of research and health it's just come in recent years and it is that link between mind body and disease and emotion and it's so powerful And do you know what's really interesting, Sarah, that there's there's three really well-known factors that psychoneuroimmunologists have actually identified. And that is, there's three things, and that is uncertainty, lack of information, and loss of control and all those things are present Sounds with like what we're
1: talking about <laughs> i know
0: and it's 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 all those things that are, are clearly evident with people with chronic illness and that's why what we do and i know with somatics i see it so much sarah it's so powerful because when you bring in those principles in and you're looking at mindset we're looking at movement we are looking at mindfulness and identifying those habitual patterns or default postures behaviors thought processes internal dialogues, all those things. When you identify that, that's when you can then use the learning part of your brain, the front part of your brain to change tack and start questioning things more. And that's where it comes in. If we're with a health professional and they ask us something, question them, ask them, you know, and it's not disrespectful to do that. But when we do that, it allows a breathing space. Do you remember when we talked in season one about mindset and creating that pause? Before we react or respond. Season one, episode two,
1: in case anyone's wondering, season one, episode two. On
0: mindset. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we looked at. We looked at pause because if you have that pause, wow, what a difference. It will pull you straight out of that stress response by using the prefrontal cortex, focus, awareness, concentration, decision-making, emotional intelligence. So decision-making in this instance, we are still in control. You know, we've got our health professionals to help us, but at the end of the day, we can still take control back.
1: And it's that pause moment yeah. and it's the recognition that those three things are so involved that mm-hmm. can allow you to then kind of break that spiral of feeling like a victim of the system and really start mm-hmm. to be empowered. And so that's why after the break, we're going to talk about the growth mindset and things that you can do to get back into that growth mindset, because that's really from my perspective that's the juice that's really where i see people recovering and making those big identity shifts when it comes from recovering from a health event so we'll get back to that do you feel that
0: tight muscles are affecting your movement and posture do you feel that you have recurring pain or injuries would you like to know how to reduce pain improve your posture increase your mobility and develop mindfulness Allow me to teach you the Total Somatics approach to health and wellness within my online program. In the comfort of your own home and at a time that suits you, we can start creating healthy changes. To learn more, go to totalsomatics.com.
1: Welcome back from the break. Now we are going to get into the part that we love of this episode, which is breaking down what the different mindsets that we can have are and really how they're affecting pretty much everything about how we perceive the world.
0: Yeah. And can I start with a few definitions here, Sarah? So I'd like to define growth mindset. I'd like to look at fixed mindset and also something called uh, progress mindset. But at the same time, like to bring in a really well-known um, piece of research on the difference between growth and fixed, and how that's made massive changes. So really, if we look at first of all growth mindset, really that's the belief that your basic qualities um, aren't you know they can be they can be cultivated through effort. So we can do that, and that's where people we know that we all vary differently. You know, we can be different in our talents, in our interests, in our temperaments, in our aptitudes. But we know that we have that capacity to change through application, through experience, experience. And as we know ourselves, because of neuroplasticity, the brain is constantly changing and we can make things stronger. We can, if we focus on something, we can make that work. So we know with the growth mindset, if we focus on growth and development, personal development, then that can happen. And so I always say to, you know, either clients in somatics, in my um, remedial massage part of the business, and also when I'm teaching baby massage, I always say uh, a great example of growth mindset is when you watch a baby or a child trying to work, walk for the first time, it's ever so cute because you watch them staggering, you know, with their little nappy on. So they're staggering all over the place. They fall over many, many times, but at no time do they or their parents ever think, oh, just give up. You know, we don't laugh at them for trying. We're constantly going, well done, well Sometimes done. Sometimes
1: you know? we do. I <laughs> don't <laughs> just example today my son took an epic wipe and we all had to laugh a little bit because it was the funniest least graceful fall yes. <laughs> but, and so the thing is it's oh I mean, they are
0: very entertaining but there are times that we're constantly wanting to encourage them don't we i mean slight um diversion here but it's like when they they're pooing in the na- in the potty and we're clapping away wow done you know and then they they bring it out for somebody else to show later and we're like well didn't really expect you to show other people you know but it's that thing that we We're praising them for doing that and creating those milestones. Um, But, you know, with the baby, when they're waddling and when they're learning to walk, they never second guess the 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 thing that they can't do it. You know, Mm. they believe that they can do it. And that's because it's so amazing. Their conscious learning part of the brain is starting to really take in, you know, kick in. And you can see that because these beautiful little babies with brand new brains, they don't have any limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. So what they just think anything is possible, really. They, they're looking for opportunities to start to stand and get their little wiggly walk going, all those sorts of things. And they will do that irrespective of how many falls and how many bumps that they've had. You know, that's just the way that they're going to do it. And they'll do it. They have that self-belief.
1: And I see this really frequently in my office in terms of the difference between the growth and fixed when it comes to the belief about what is genetically inherited. Mm -hmm. And so I will have patients who come in who are like, my mom has diabetes. My dad has diabetes. There's heart disease in my family. I want to work on this. I want to get on top of this. I want to be healthy. That's my goal. And I'm like, okay, perfect that is a growth mindset. That's a belief that that's something that someone could believe is, is kind of their destiny, but they really want to make changes and they believe that they can do better. Then I'll have patients who come in for something completely different, right? Maybe fatigue or acne or something like that. And I'm looking through their intake forms and I see heart disease and I see diabetes and all of these things. And I'll say to them, you know what? I see there's a really strong family history of this. Is this something you want to work on? And the answer is often, Oh no, I know it's just going to happen anyways. Um, um, so why don't we focus on my fatigue or my acne? And those things go hand in hand. I can't treat one without the other. But it's the mindset and it's the belief of something being fixed and their destiny. So they're not even kind of working on it.
0: Absolutely. And that kind of blends into not working on it, thinking of the fixed mindset in a sense, because with a fixed mindset the belief there is that you feel your qualities are carved in stone. Mm-hmm. So who you are is who you are forever, basically. And you can blame your, your family and your genetics and all that sort of thing. It's, a, it's, you know, that's basically what a fixed mindset will do. And you believe you can't actually change anything. And that will include your intelligence, your personality, maybe your creativity. And you believe that they are fixed rather than something that can be developed. And as a result of that, you'll see that, People will start using quite disempowering expressions like, well, you know, let's use the example I've always been useless at creating a health and well being routine forever. I'll always be like that. So, what's the point of trying? You know, or they might say, that person over there, they're really successful and they're happy because they got lucky or are mm. you know, there's this um, obstacle in my life. I'm not willing to overcome it. So, you know, why bother? Why should I bother trying? So it's all that, oh, you know, it's just, nah, can't be bothered. And so what they do is they can make life really hard for themselves and not just for them. It has that ripple effect. So it, It can affect affect their family, their friends, their colleagues. Um, And that's the thing is if they don't think something is, it's not possible. It's quite a negative frame and a bit of a negative vibe to live around as well, not just for them, for everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, that's where there's research with um, Carol Dwork that we can talk about shortly, if you want, about the growth and the fixed mindset. But have you got anything else to add about the fixed mindset, Sarah?
1: The the big thing is I do see a lot of addiction or numbing yeah. mechanisms yeah. in these people as well um mm-hmm. just because again they don't believe they can change it so they want to suppress it in some way. So that's the big thing is oftentimes when I see people in this pattern and we're going to get to how to develop a growth mindset. So if you feel like I'm stuck I'm I'm in that fixed mindset. I hear myself there. Don't feel shame about this. Mm-hmm. Um this is really something that you can start to develop and work towards a growth mindset. And so um, it's believing that you can work towards a growth mindset that can be the hardest, time, uh, hardest thing, but therapists can be really helpful. Accountability coaches, health coaches can be really, really helpful to, to help bring people down that journey.
0: And and I agree with that because we live in such an exciting time with all the um, imaging, you know, brain imaging. And, you know, because of that, we, as I've mentioned, neuroplasticity, it's so it's so powerful. And every single one of us have got the most amazing thing that sits between our ears, our brain. It's, It's incredible. So we know that it's constantly changing and we can make changes granted at times we may need additional support you know professional Mm. support with that if we need that that's not it's not a weakness at all we all need support in different ways but you know when we increase our focus on creating a growth mindset that will happen it will happen it might not happen overnight but small steps you know when we look back we realize how far we've come and so with that in mind can I just mention a little bit of the research about growth and fixed mindset so there's the researcher Carol work, and she's the leading expert in mindset and psychology. And she actually noted um, a difference when you look at these sides of things. So she was working with children in a low socioeconomic community, and she noticed the influence in fixed mindset and also the huge disadvantage that these ones were in with their education and their aspirations. And so what Carol found is that she actually uh, started looking at where the league tables or where they where they were struggling, really. And it was shown their lowest test results were in mathematics and science. And again, this was there was a correlation between low socioeconomic and the low grades. And so what she did is she spent time with teachers and with children and she taught them to switch their fixed mindset into a growth mindset. And she did this really well. She coached them and she used expressions from, you know, she went from using the expression now, that now mindset to not yet mindset. So she'd say things such as, or she'd get the um, children to start bringing dialogues in such as, I'm not good at science or maths now, uh, you know, and I'll never be. So these are what the kids were kind of saying. And she then went, well, you know, let's switch that. So if you're saying I'm not good at science and maths now, and I never will be any good, How can we change that? And so, again, she started using the reasoning part. And she said she taught teachers to encourage children um, to start um, looking at, you know, how, like we said, how children were learning to walk, for instance. They they just believed that they could do it. So she got them to say, let's look at not yet. So like a little child when we talked about would just waddle and I'm not, I can't walk just yet, but I will soon. That's what she did. So she taught the teachers to encourage the children with expressions. And it was such as this. This is amazing. I like this. Your understanding of maths or science may not be now, but with effort and focus, it is achievable. And so what was amazing was using a really empowering statement like that instead of I'm no good at science and maths and I never will be. She looked at it with effort and focus it's possible and so what happened is is their attitude and their whole approach to things and how they would talk started to to actually change and this was a school in washington and it was um a school that you know was known to be quite well very low socioeconomic and it was quite low on those league tables and test results but you know within a very short time with them implementing implementing this change from fixed to growth mindset their Their results soared, and they actually got quite quite high in the league tables for the schools in the district
1: and this is something that I see because I train naturopathic doctors as well, so I have a like that's another area of my business, and so I will see that with practitioners, and so I've had people who say like. Oh, I'm not interested in supporting people with weight loss. It's too hard. They don't want to do it. I don't. I'm not interested. And I think that's an area that I've one been so successful and two been able to help people. It's not only because of my personal experience, but also because. I fundamentally believe that I have something to offer people when they come in that's been different. I believe they can lose weight. I see it all the time. And so it's empowering them with that language. When they are saying, Oh, I've done this in the past, it's not, it's never worked. I don't even know why I should try. It's really about being like, This is different. There's something else going on here and catching that. Um, yeah. and catching that language and be like, No, 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 we're not going there. This is different. We're doing something different, we're considering a different area of the body. And then when if they inevitably put the life and lifestyle and eat something they didn't want to eat, it's also about believing that you can reflect on that choice and move forward. And it's not having the fixed mindset of being like, okay, I failed again. I always fail. This, there's nothing ever going to change for me. It's, so being a support system for people and seeing that in people around you, this is something you guys can do as well. If you have someone who has a fixed mindset, just like Carol's research, you can reflect back to them a more empowering phrase and help them. So it mm-hmm. might not be you navigating your health journey, but someone else's, you can help to re-empower them.
0: Yeah. And I think that also blends in really well with the progress mindset, isn't it? Because you're talking about that. It's a lifestyle side of things because um, when I explained about growth, uh, sorry, progress mindset to people, I'll often say a really good example of that is say you've got somebody that they've decided they want to start getting strong. So they want to go to the gym and start working out. Now, if they're new to the gym and they haven't lifted weights before, they know that to lift huge weights immediately is actually not going to be good for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know that it has to be, um, a very graded, a, a focused approach. You know, it has to be done gradually because they will create damage. But they know because of that progress that they, over time, they're going to build up that strength and they're going to build up, um, The different things that they're looking for within creating that new approach to their life. And really, that's where we want to consider our mindset around our health as well. Because thinking of that progress side of things, do we say things like, I can't keep a routine because of blah, 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 you know, or I don't see any results within a few weeks. So I'm just going to jack the whole thing in basically, Mm -hmm. because really it's those expressions that limit us. That's what stops us from progressing really. And that's when we can kind of class that back into a fixed mindset. We're staying fixed. We're not progressing. And so that's where that change in our language and the intentions to create a progress mindset will actually allow us to then create what is rather than a flash in the pan um, attitude, but a lifestyle change. When we create that lifestyle change, I, I'm sure you've seen this over the time, Sarah. I've seen it with clients and even myself, that we start with say one positive change or approach, and then we add another win in over time, and another one, and then we look back and we're like, "Crikey, we've done all that," but because we did it gradually and we added that in, and we started to feel the benefits of the changes that we were doing, you can see that progress, and, and then you know it, it creates that. It just goes into creating a growth mindset, really, doesn't it?
1: And I think that leads perfectly into other things that people can do to create a growth mindset. So we've come up with a bit of a list, um, which can, can really work as a checklist for you of, of ways that you can start to embrace these things as you're navigating this transition. So first and foremost, acknowledge and embrace where you are. We never get anywhere from denial. And so it's really important to see where you're at and embrace it so that you can move forward. It's also about looking for opportunity. There is opportunity in every obstacle, you could call it, that comes in our path, whether that's supporting other people with it, whether that is really just looking for the opportunity to learn and reflect on yourself. So looking for that opportunity is key. Also remembering that your body can change. We are going to go through this again and again and again and again our body wants to change. And so it's something that we can make a lot of progress. We want to focus on the process, right? So progress goals um, as opposed to just the end result. Because you, if you, we just focused on the fact, okay, I want to have an organic lifestyle with perfect eating habits and exercising every day and this and that. And we didn't focus on all the small things we were doing to get there. It would be really hard to achieve that. So focusing on the progress is key. Also, gratitude around your actions and efforts, not your traits and outcomes. So just giving yourself that moment to be grateful for the things that you did today to take a step in the right direction or the things your body did for you that were great today. Uh, And the final one is really work to set goals and Set small goals so that you feel like you've accomplished something and always work on setting a new goal at the end of that period. That can really help to navigate the path. Sometimes I'll get people to write out their progress goals over the course of the next six months just so that they always have something to go towards. And it can make a huge difference in terms of defining your purpose and giving you a purpose in this journey, which is fundamentally going to help with that growth mindset. Hmm. That's brilliant. And I was just gonna say, can I just add
0: on those three little takeaway points? Because it just kind of flows on as we've got those really good proactive measures that are happening there. So as we're kind of wrapping everything up, it's kind of, I mean, some of the thoughts I was thinking really do blend up really well in those points, but just wanting to um, take everyone back to Again, can you identify, my first point would be, can you identify your coping mechanism? Is it related to a past stressful event? Do you see it cropping up again in different ways? And if you do, could you then just start to take that control and think, actually, I don't want my subconscious holding me captive in this, you know, spiking my cortisol up, which we know is going to create inflammation and other issues long-term physically and emotionally and mentally. So you've got that side of things, identify those coping mechanisms. And then also um, looking at mindset. So if we feel that we are fixed mindset, we might be listening to this going, well, you know, it's all right for them to talk like that. I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. Could we maybe just encourage you, just think of one thing that you could just bring in maybe once a week or once a month and just develop that first of all. And th- th- it was great, Sarah, when you talked about gratitude, because if we have gratitude, we- we're grateful for everything that we've got around us. And that kind of then ties in with how we can develop that growth mindset into the third part, which is being grateful for basically our support network that we have, our family, our friends, you know, a medical system, maybe a good um, health practitioner that we've got nearby and noticing that that's all still part of getting well and staying well and keeping resilient is knowing that we've got all that network around us.
1: And my takeaways are... Always similar, but revolving around the fact that your identity is not what you went through. Mm -hmm. So you are not a miscarriage or an autoimmune disease or cancer or mono or fatigue or whatever that is. You're not that. And so you can choose to be different. And that goes back to the growth mindset, of course. I also think using that empowering language is just so critical to so many people's success. And so that's my last takeaway is really just. Try, whether it's getting a friend to help you or helping a friend, try to focus on that empowering language and build each other up. I have two friends that come into my office together and they know this, but I always say I'm jealous of their friendship because they do this so beautifully for each other. They're really just, as soon as one person's down, they build each other back up and they, they're that growth mindset for each other when they're struggling. And so that's something that I also think is incredibly empowering powerful and empowering i'm gonna use that word empowering. but it's really just about using the positive people around you to build you up when you feel like you can't because there's going to be moments like that as well mm-hmm. they are and that's it that's why it's so good having that network
0: and that system and that's why we're all together in this in this podcast around the world all chatting
1: together Definitely. So that is all for today. And so in our next episode, we are going to be talking about one of my personal favorite things, hormonal chaos and navigating that because hormonal chaos comes up throughout so many parts of a woman's life and it can really just derail you in some situations. And so we're going to expand on that, talk about that and powerful things that you can do to make progress. Brilliant.
0: Thank you for joining us today. To learn more, go to reallywellwomen.com and connect with us. Also spread the word so we can increase the feeling of Really Well Women all around the world. So until next time, take care.